Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Holding pocket. Now on BBC Radio 4, we're off to the golf club again, where tensions are running high ahead of the annual match against the junior section. Has the captain picked the best team, or is he simply favouring his friends? Celia Emery, James Bollum and Dwayne The Rock Johnson star in Three Off The Tee. Sigmund, just because he's married to your sister doesn't make him a good golfer. Uh, good morning all and welcome to the Chipping Forecast. I say good morning, it may not be morning where you are, uh, it may not be good, but it's quite early in the morning as we record this on Tuesday, again circumstances forcing our hands, but we are here now to pour over everything in the golfing world. Joined as ever by BBC Golf Correspondent Ian Carter, here to uh, correspond. Hello Ian. Hello Andrew. Oh my voice is gone. Oh, oh dear, quite, quite, sorry. Quite That's emotional. Start. Yes. <laughs> Well, it is emotional. I mean, we had such a lovely uh, weekend in in St Andrews, didn't we? A nice meal out on on Friday night. We did. I wasn't very good company though, because I still still wasn't feeling great. But now I'm oh, now I'm raring to go. So it was it was a, a good weekend. We'll talk about that, I'm sure. Mm. But we are non-playing captains to Eddie Pepperell, who has come down from the mountain triumphant, not triumphant, eighthant, uh, but top ten fair. Well done, Eddie. Well played. Thank you, Andrew. I appreciate that. Do you? Well, yeah, of course okay. I do. I like the support. Um, anyway, lots of people saying nice things about you in your form. And two top tens in the last three tournaments. So mm. uh, we'll talk about that. There's so much to discuss, obviously. But all that is tied in with Luke Donald's six picks to complete his 12, 12 men good and true for the Ryder Cup. Um, we'll hear from Luke in a moment. Ian was chatting to him. Once again, I'm just going to let Ian steer things along a little bit um, because I've... Um, I've had three hours sleep in the last 40 hours or so. I got in at three in the morning. Um, so I'm just going to record a, a limited selection of noises of agreement or disagreement or surprise or just general noises um, like Homer Simpson's wide-eyed glasses uh, that gave him... So, so you had three hours sleep and you still had time to come up with some more three-off-the-tee nonsense just to take the mickey out of me for having the idea that what? this pod should be called three-off-the-tee even though somebody else does a very good pod that's called three-off-the-tee. 
you make time where you can for very necessary things. Mm. Anyway, uh, so Ollie, producer, if you could just record these noises that I'm about to make and play them out, and I'll just be snoozing away as Ian steers things. So, um, one, can I just one frustrating thing? Quote my dad has always said about time is he used to say to me, Eddie, time waits for no man. But he used to use it in the context of be patient, but. Mm. Surely it means you shouldn't be patient. No, surely it means you've got to get the job done now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, push past people in the supermarket, do everything uh, just to get, oh, I'm in a hurry, we're, go- we're going to be dead soon. So uh, just get things done, get things done, time waits for no man, that sort of Yeah, but know. my dad always used to say, you got, in the context of be patient, he used to infuriate me. Right, okay. Yeah, no, he was he was wrong. Right, uh, so noises. Uh, we'll have, uh, mm, mm, mm. Uh, we'll have, well, I'm not sure. Uh, we'll have, <laughs> uh, sure, we'll not have that one. We'll have. Oh, I can't believe that. And we'll have just mild chuckling. <laughs> right. Okay. So we'll drop those in. Um, and Ian can just tell us all about the Ryder Cup team. Go, Ian. The, this this is you. Um, you know, just lapsing into this record a phrase to suit a moment thing. This is this is a result of the you know your rugby game. Um, commentaries that you've had. So you, you're now living your life like that rather well, than being spontaneous I'm and not conversational. Sure. <laughs> I can't believe that. I'll tell you, these are, these are catching on though. Last week, twice, I hit it into the rough. Well, once in the rough and Jamie said, that's good for if bovine or something. Another time I hit it to such a distance on a par five and two that that song from Tiger Woods came into my mind that, that <laughs> whatever his name is, Colin Farrell used to sing. Um, Maybe this is quite, I can't remember that. So it was a, a song about knocking it stiff by Colin Farrell. So, well, we've had correspondence. We'll get to the correspondence. We've had more correspondence. Someone else has remembered. I think I might have done David Ferty a disservice in saying he recorded five phrases in about three minutes and that was him done because people are coming up with all sorts of phrases. Uh, well, oh, just very quickly then, Alf Dossett. No, no, I, I need to come to that email later because I want to talk about the name Alf. Anyway, he said, that's in the spinach. Uh, was one um, and that's in the first cut and we all know that's the deepest uh, oh god that was terrible that one uh, anyway so I think you've got to get Ferti's raised eyebrow and his, his, his hair all over the place and he's like the man uh, tie at half mast tie at half mast, waistcoat on uh, that's in the first cut and we all know that's the deepest oh that's terrible right um, yeah so um we will just let's just talk Ryder Cup, Ian. I mean, obviously, uh, Ludwig Aubrey, Aberg. Um, yeah. There's a lot of people anticipating a lot of discussion on how how we're going to pronounce it. It's it's Aberg. It's 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 it's, it's not the die is cast. It's not cast. No, it's, I'm Andrew. sorry. I'm, I, I I know it sounds like a bit of fun about this, but it's not cast. I cannot say Aberg because it's so wrong. And just because people are getting it wrong doesn't mean that we get it wrong. And so, yeah, because Sky are setting the agenda over here and it's set in America already. But, you know, I saw Bunkered, uh, the podcast, uh, the uh, Bunkered guys, they were saying, you know, we're, we're, hey, he said, you've all been getting it wrong, his name. Well, we haven't. Um, but this is how to pronounce it. And we had more correspondence from us, uh, a guy who's got a Swedish friend, Colin Gathercole. There aren't many golfers called Gathercole. Uh, and he's from Colchester Golf Club, and he says another member of Colchester Golf Club. Here's his friend. We have no confirmation from his friend whether he is an actual friend. Robert Svensson, who is Swedish, and uh, he uh, uh, says this: Ludwig Åberg. Ludwig Åberg. So 
that's that's my problem. It's so very different from Aberg that I want it to get to the point where it sounds ridiculous that people are saying Aberg. And I think I might be fighting against the tide, but King Canute style, I'm going to stand in that water until it's over my head. You're now, fighting a tsunami. As it as I go under the waves, I'll be saying, oh, Billy. And people go, what's he, what's he going on about that mad guy standing in the water? Anyway, so, uh, but anyway, more importantly, I'm delighted that he got a pick. Uh, Eddie, I, I mean, you've waxed lyrical about him already, and... Oh, your thoughts on it? You were you were asked about this on the on the coverage, weren't you? Uh, over the over the weekend? Yeah, I was, um, and I regrettably sat on the fence. Didn't sit on the fence enough for some people, um, and you know, caught some crap for it online. So um, that might be a lesson there for me to shut up in the future. Although I'm sure I won't learn it. I think he's a brilliant player. I did say on the coverage, you know, um, it, it depended how he went in the week. I think to some degree as to whether he'd get the pick. He's obviously gone and won, fully deserved the pick. And uh, he's a he is a generational talent, as Luke called him online, uh, sorry, on TV yesterday. So um, yeah, I think he's going to be a great addition to the team, and he's definitely one of the most impressive players, ball strikers I've seen since John Rahm uh, and Rory. Really, he's he is the most elite you could get. I would say Tito Green. We'll get deeper into um, his selection in in a moment. Worth just making the point that he was picked alongside Nikolai Hoygaard who's even younger at 22, Aberg at uh, 23, Shane Lowry, uh, Justin Rose, Sepp Stracker and Tommy Fleetwood. The other uh, wildcard picks made by Luke Donald, as Andrew was saying, I've been speaking to Europe's captain. And here is why Luke Donald has picked this generational talent for the match in Rome at the end of the month. Well, I think what he did uh, the last two weeks, especially last week, I think he's absolutely ready Um I've said straight from the get-go that I think he's a superstar in the making, um, generational player. He's going to be around for a long time, um, you know, but he had to show some form over these last couple of weeks and he did that. You know, he he committed himself to playing these deep, DP World Tour events and, uh, I mean, what a finish. I mean, four birdies in his last five. You know, he came with great pedigree um, from the college system. You know, you know he he would be someone that was – did as well as a Victor Hovland or a John Rahm in the last 20 years. Um, you know, he came with great credentials, but he, he, he's had to prove himself. And he certainly did that the last two weeks. And he's been on your radar really from, from the start of the year, hasn't he, when he played in the Middle East? He is. You know, I um, I saw him, met him briefly and said hello to him on the putting green at, at, in Dubai. Um, he played with Eduardo Molinari the first two rounds. He was up there again, I think maybe in the top 10, top five after two rounds. Um, you know, it's just impressive for someone that, that uh, never really played many p- professional events and to come out and uh, he just has such such weapons. You know, obviously his driving is, is a huge, huge weapon of his. You know, he would he would rank uh, just for, from the, the few events that he's played, he would rank. Uh, number one, uh, ahead of Rory McIlroy and Scotty Scheffler in driving. So um, it's obviously a huge weapon and, and that's a big asset to have around Marco Simone. We've seen young players come into Ryder Cup teams and inject so much energy. I'm thinking of a Sergio Garcia, a Rory McIlroy, John Rahm when he made his debut. Would you put Ludwig Aberg in the same bracket? 
in terms of potential, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, he doesn't seem to be that energetic, let himself go, extrovert kind of character. He does everything so coolly, so calmly, so collected. Uh, he plays the game very simply. Um, you know, he obviously plays it very well. Um, but I, I, I see him being an amazing asset to, to our team. What was the most difficult decision about these six wild card picks? Because no captains had as many selections as you've had for for this match. Did it come down to a choice between Nikolai Hoygaard and Adrian Moronk? You know, there's there's always those difficult decisions. Um, you know, I looked to, to all the potentials that had a chance. Obviously, Adrian was one of those and certainly could could claim uh, very good reasons to be on that team. But, uh, you know, again, I... I wanted to concentrate on on those that I really thought would round out the team that the guys were in in, in the most form going into into Rome and um you know that those are the six guys that I went with. How concerned are you with the form of of Shane Lowry? Obviously we know he's he's a class operator, he's a major winner. He won at Wentworth in the BMW PGA, but he's not had a top 10 finish since February. So it's not been the most compelling of form that we've seen from the Irishman this season. Uh, you're right. I mean, uh, I, I'm not worried about his form. He's a big time player, as you said. You know, he he gets up for those big moments. We even saw that two years ago in Whistling Straits. He's uh, someone that uh, just lives for those moments. And, um, you know, his he brings a lot to the team room. He he's, um, you know brings a lot of great energy. And, you know, obviously it's important weeks for him coming up in, in Ireland and Wentworth, two places he's very familiar with and, and knows. And I, I expect him to play play some good golf. His his results haven't really quite mirrored his stats, to be honest. He's, he's trending more uh, on the upward stats. He's, he's a good uh, good driver, a good iron play. Uh, and his putting actually has been trending uh, quite significantly up in the last uh, four or five months. The balance of this team interests me as well because you've got, you know, Hoygaard and uh, Aberg, who combined age is 45, and you've selected a 43-year-old in Justin Rose, which kind of suggests, obviously, he's more than a make-weight Justin Rose, but it gives you that balance of experience. Yeah, we, we have, uh, you know, plenty of experience, but we have some youth and, and rookies. And I, I kind of said that along my whole captaincy. I, I expected that to happen. A nice balance, a nice mixture. Um, and that's what we have. We've got some future, you know, superstars that uh, I think will be playing Ryder Cups for years to come. Uh, and we've got some guys that have experience. Uh, Justin, obviously, he'll be the, the veteran in the team, the oldest guy um, with the with six Ryder Cups. Um, but, you know, I think when you have six picks, you want a nice balance of that. You want people that you know you can rely on that have done it in the past. But you also want some young blood. You know, you everyone has to have a chance. I was a rookie once, 2004. I was one of five rookies. And uh, we won quite comfortably that year. So it's nice to have that balance. Well, you've got four rookies. The Americans have got four rookies as well. You've got three of the top four. They've got the world number one. So who's favourites here, in your opinion, for this for this Ryder Cup? Bearing in mind that Europe haven't lost at home for 30 years. No pressure, Luke. We have we have a home advantage, thanks, Ian. Um, we we have home advantage. Uh, obviously, that that's one one tick in our box. But uh, we're coming off the worst defeat we've ever had, you know, with 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 quite a few of those guys that uh, have been in that team uh, two years ago. So they will be very strong. Um, obviously, 
the bookies aren't usually wrong too too wrong in their su- suggestions and i think they're they're all going to be betting favorites so we are underdogs and we we know that but i have full faith in my team i think we're, i'm going to give them all the opportunity they have uh, to to understand the ways that we will have advantages over the us and uh, i'll paint that picture pretty clear to them and they'll be uh, on a mission to get that cup back because Zach Johnson told me last week that they were the underdogs. Well, again, <laughs> you, uh, you only have to look at uh, who people are putting their money on. And uh, I think the U.S. are, are favorites. So I think the, the, the gap has closed a little bit. Uh, if you'd asked people 12 months ago, it was certainly definitely in the American favor. Um, now it's a little bit close. So I'm, I'm very proud and, and happy with all the, the people who have uh, kind of stood up and started to really show some great form uh, over the last six months and three months leading up to this Ryder Cup. Final thought, uh, a huge fortnight ahead on the DP World Tour, the Irish Open and then Wentworth with the BMW PGA Championship. Two huge events, but in the backdrop of a of a Ryder Cup to follow after those, um, you'll be looking for for some big performances there to bolster confidence ahead of Rome. Yeah, from what I can understand, we have three guys playing this week in Ireland, and I think all twelve will be at Wentworth. So very excited to have their commitment uh, to be playing. Uh, you know, our flagship event. Um, you know, obviously important few weeks for me uh, to start to even ramping up more communication with the guys, you know, thinking about pairings, all that kind of stuff and looking at how they're playing. Um, you know, I think their form is is pretty good uh, in general, but, uh, you know, we'll see a big couple of weeks, obviously, on the DP World Tour coming up. And will you get a recce in, uh, into, into Rome beforehand as well with now that you know your team? Yeah, that's been on the books for a long time, actually. And we uh, have a practice trip uh, based on, uh, uh, the Monday of Wentworth, we'll uh, we'll be flying. Um, well, I'll be flying Sunday evening. Uh, meet meet the rest of the guys there Sunday. We'll we'll play uh, Monday and then head back to Wentworth uh, Tuesday morning. And a final final question, um, because you are someone who has pairings right at the forefront of your mind, and this with within the context of the Chipping Forecast um, podcast. What do you make of a combination of myself and Andrew Cotter to take on Eddie Pepperell? How many shots are you getting? We're not getting any, but we're playing a scramble format. Ooh, any chance? Um, I don't know. Eddie's been peaking a little bit lately. Did he come into your I'm thinking? Gonna by the ed- way? I'm going to give the edge to Eddie. I'm afraid. Oh, no faith. I thought you were going to inspire us. To get him to play uh, two balls and play his worst, then you got a chance. That's a great idea. <laughs> Uh, thanks so much thanks for indulging us with that ridiculous question at the end as well and um, I look forward to seeing it went with uh, Luke thanks so much for your time see you there cheers wow there he is there he goes and I'm totally demotivated if that's his motivational captain speech for, for Ian no, and for me I'm fired up I'm fired I, up now oh, well oh, I, do, yes. I do I mean I do quite like the idea of playing Eddie has to play his worst ball plays too as well so I think then we would win I'm, I'm confident in saying that Eddie's still shaking his head um, a number of people who got in touch, by the way, and just said you've got absolutely no chance. All right. Well, well, listen, I genuinely we will make this happen, and yeah. just oh, for just yeah. to see what the score score might be. So, catch I Eddie think it'd be, genuinely it'd be a really interesting experiment to just show how much better the you know a touring pro is compared with rank amateurs. Rank rank amateurs. Um, anyway, so that the more interesting part yes. of all that is, um, I mean, the one that stands out 
is Shane Lowry, and you talked about him there. I suppose the guy who's the peak guy who's missing out is is the guy who won on that course earlier this year, Moronk and. Shane Lowry, we were talking when the USA had their picks and Justin Thomas gets a pick and people are saying, is this one for the Buddies Club? You know, he was 71st in the FedEx Cup standings, just missed out in the playoffs. Well, Shane Lowry was 77th. Now, I don't think Shane Lowry's form has been as, as, as sort of dipped and been quite as varied in terms of its awfulness as, as Justin Thomas's, but Shane Lowry has not been playing well. So as Luke Donald says there, he's hoping for the class to come through and the big stage player to come through. So it's a, a little bit of a gamble. Yeah, I would say it is. And I think, um, like Justin Thomas, you're, you're banking on somebody getting inspired at the Ryder Cup, which I've seen Lee Westwood talk about, and he would have you know great insight into this. It's a very difficult thing to do. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see. I do think it's a strong team, irrespective of, Shane's maybe not great form. Uh, I do think it's 12 very good players, as Luke said, rounding mostly into form. So um, I think it'll be a close game. But, I, you know, I, I would say that I feel sorry for Adrian Moronk to some degree. He's clearly been a top-class performer on the European Tour, the DP World Tour, for at least 12 months and um, equally deserving of a pick ahead of maybe Shane or, you know, in, in replacement of Nikolai Hoygar potentially. The one thing, Ian, that was interesting about Moronk, though, is that he he could have been... I suppose, I mean, he could have knocked out uh, Bob McIntyre in the automatic qualifying. He, I mean, you know, people are saying, well, he went to play the Canadian Open. He could have played in the European Tour, the DP World Tour. Then he could have, Bob McIntyre was absolutely 100% committed. You know, Bob would have had a couple of invitations to go and play on the on the PGA Tour. But um, Moronk took one of them, didn't yeah. quite commit in the same way. I'm, well, that's, that's one of I'd, my generic I'd, noises you're making there. Yeah, oh, I, don't, I, I don't, well, I don't think, um, I'd, I'd I don't think I'd call into question Moronk's commitment at no, all I'm, to, I'm not, to I'm the not. DP World Tour. You know, he's third in the race to Dubai. He won the Italian Open, um, and he came within a whisker. I mean, he put in put up a really good fight in in Switzerland last week. Okay, he didn't get the runner up finish that he needed to knock Bob McIntyre out, but he knocked on that door so loudly that I think he's really unlucky it didn't no, open. I, I and would he, have picked I, him. He, yeah, I, I mean, but then who, so which one don't you pick? Um, you know, it came down basically, Eddie, to Hoygaard or or or, uh, or Moronk, didn't it? I think it did. And you can easily make the case for Nikolai. He's been playing great. And he is also a fantastic talent who's young. So as I say, there are 12 very good players playing for Europe in that team. I think the point on Moronk and Bob is an interesting one. And I think we're going to see this evolve in the next few years certainly given that the European Tour is set to lose 10 of their best players every year to the PGA Tour and so you know for 103 weeks out of 104 there is no incentive for a player to play for anyone other than himself and I cannot believe for a moment there's going to be a player out there professionally thinking about solely the Ryder Cup in the next two years uh, they're going to be going to America to play against the best players for the biggest prize money and the Ryder Cup potentially getting into their thinking isn't going to affect that and I look at guys like Thomas Dietrich or Matt Wallace or Aaron Rye as prime examples of that, I think these guys, those three in particular, were equally capable of getting onto this team had they spent more time playing in Europe. But they haven't, and why would they? The incentives are in place now to go and play full-time on the PGA Tour. So this is going to be something that the European, the DP World Tour is going to have to grapple with moving forward. And how the qualification system evolves to facilitate or work around that is going to be interesting to see. But I, I think Adrian, to your point, Ian, I agree with you, has played fantastic golf. And if it wasn't for Bob's second place in Scotland, which... 
obviously carried massively disproportionate points, then Adrian probably would have been all very close to the team. Although Yannick Paul would have taken that spot. And sorry to ramble on, but I don't know if you saw the tweet that Alex Perry put out from Bunkered. He went back and looked over 20 years, the last 10 Ryder Cups, I think. And under every different iteration of qualification criteria that there's been, and there's been five different ones now in that time frame, uh, Yannick Paul would have been in every single Ryder Cup and Adrian Ronk would have been in all but two. So I think this... And if I make one more point, and I think this is also reflective of the US team's uh, picks, is that there's just too many picks. I think six is too many picks. There needs to be at least eight automatic qualifiers. In my opinion, the Ryder Cup should be mostly about attainment and working your way to get there as opposed to, you know, 50% picks. That comes back to that power struggle between, uh, not that it's much of a struggle anymore, between Europe, between the DP World Tour and between the PGA Tour. It's It seems to me much harder now to get onto the team if you are playing in you. Who's who's on this team who is based in Europe? Bob McIntyre, Nikolai Hoygaard. Uh, you know, you t- we're talking about Adrian Moronk, and you know, if he were swithering about whether to go and try and make his his career on the PGA Tour, well, it makes it a bit easier now. He says, right, fine, that's where I have to be. I have to be playing on the PGA Tour for myself, and if getting into the Ryder Cup, get your tail out of the way, and getting on the Ryder Cup team is a thing, then the the, the base of being on the PGA Tour seems to. Seems to be that. I don't disagree with Shane Lowry. I, again, it's a little bit like the USA. You can make a case for that. That's as Eddie's saying. That's the thing. When you have as many as six picks, you can always debate and have uh, and make strong cases for a lot of players. But you get a bit more certitude if you say, right, these are the rankings. It's up to eight. It's up to nine players qualifying automatically. But I, I can't. I can't see it going back to that system on either side. No, I mean it's that's that's the problem, isn't it? Especially with giving away ten cards to the PGA Tour at the end of each year, it's getting more. The European for European golfers is getting more and more American centric. So then to 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 go back to putting so much of an emphasis on uh, qualifying from European tournaments is is going to be counterproductive to the strength of the team, isn't it? Yeah, I think it would be, and and. You know, this is where I mean, I personally think the US team does have room to move away from six picks. I think they could easily because mm, their rankings are so simple in terms of the PG. I mean, you could make the argument that Live Golf has scuppered that. And and I wonder if the move and I don't know the answer to this, you may I wonder if the move to six picks was actually to a combat live live player participating in this year's Ryder Cup. I'm I'm not entirely sure. But oh, was, I definitely think that was right. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm sure. So, you know, that's the other side to this and and it's I think it's a shame because I and and the other point I would make and and not to be too critical here of the DP World Tour or the PGA Tour but for certainly 12 months now and I've certainly banged to this drum meritocracy is the cornerstone of professional golf and yet we have a Ryder Cup qualification system that isn't clearly purely meritocratic and I would argue isn't meritocratic enough relative to the size of the event and what I think it should entail in terms of its players who are participating so um you know, I don't want to come across as negative here. I think, like I said at the beginning, we've got a very strong team, as is the US, and it's still going to be a brilliant, brilliant match in, in Rome, and I'm going to enjoy watching it. But um, politically, there are certainly some interesting uh, things up in the air, I'd say. And listening to it, Eddie, and listening to it. Of course. Sorry, Ian, I've, yeah, I will yeah. be listening to it. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you think that, you know, we've we've looked at the qualifying system, but do you think that ultimately Luke Donald has arrived at the strongest team that he could have. Yeah, I, I there isn't a weak player in that team, in my opinion. Uh, the only thing I would say watching it, and this is something that struck me watching it yesterday, was when Sepp Stracker came on 
and he he's American to me. He sounded yeah, like he an American player, and 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 I just find there's something within me that that, that just doesn't sit comfortable with me. You know, mm. I, I I like the tribal nature of the Ryder Cup, and we are definitely, and even Ludwig to some degree. You know, he mm-hmm. he sounds more American than European, as does Victor Hovland when he talks. So the game is moving in that di- direction. You've already said that, Ian. It's becoming more American centric, and I, I I get it. It's the way the world's going, but um, part of me struggles with it a bit because. To Sergio Garcia or Ian Poulter's point, they were the reason they loved the Ryder Cup so much was because, frankly, they hated the Americans so much, particularly Sergio. Mm. So, um, you know, it's uh, it's not there anymore, but I'm sure it would still be a great match. It was very much that way in Seve's days. It, it was still uh, us against them in terms of European-based players. Yes, there were major outliers such as Faldo, etc., Langer, who spent a lot of time on the on the on the in the US tour as well but it was still much more players based over here us the European tour family uh, going over and taking on the States and it is so far from that now and I, mm. I, I, I feel bad for singling out Sepp Stracker but he's not you know Austrian American yeah but I asked him about this I said when did you actually feel European in terms of because he was brought up in you know in in the deep south in 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 Georgia he was born in Austria he said no hang on I've played for Austria throughout my golf career um so you know I've always considered myself European now that flies in the face of what he told me at the start of the year which was growing up watching the Ryder Cup he didn't actually know which team to support and he he just supported players and was actually more in the thrall of 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 Tiger Woods than than the actual team combat that was going on there but you're right you know a deep South Georgian accent in in the European team room is 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 a big departure but then again I mean you know uh, Graham McDowell we had his accent in there for a good few years didn't we Bovines, uh, we should insist that Sepp Stracker speaks German then throughout the throughout the week of uh, just to uh, prove his credentials. Prove his credentials. Cement the fact that he is from Austria and he is absolutely one hundred percent European. Well, let's go back to the continent of Europe then and up a mountain because it, it all came to a head at Cronsourcier. Really, I, I mean, it was interesting as as much as Ludwig Aubrey was going forward, uh, Matt Fitzpatrick was coming back the way. I, I'm encouraged though by the way Matt Fitzpatrick's playing. Alex Fitzpatrick just keeps on trucking along as well, playing well, but. But Eddie, just tell us about because I didn't see it because we were at the Walker Cup. I didn't see it. I followed it in Shot Tracker, and I thought, oh, he's not that in close. Um, and then it would just come up with a par, and I go, what's going on? So then I saw your tweet about does anyone want a putter? Was it as simple as that? You must have played well, Tita Green. Then I did play well, Tita Green. That's probably as well as I've played for many years. And I, I would say I'm swinging the club better now than I think I've ever done. So I, I am optimistic and hopeful. And it's probably the first tournament I've played, particularly over the weekend in years where I actually really enjoyed playing and, and fully kind of expected myself to hit the ball where I was actually aiming um, and not worried so much about, you know, ball flight. I, I was even hitting draws off the tees and I wasn't hitting my driver, but that's real progress for me. Let me tell you. So um, I had a good week up there. I enjoyed it. And yeah, to your point about Matt and, and, Al- and Alex and Ludwig, it was a great finish to the event. Um, Ludwig's a real top top player i know i've said this many times before and i've seen him hit the ball in prague watch it. i watched his highlights this morning of every shot from round four on youtube and it's just imperious ball striking i love the fact that we are going to have a player as orthodox as him 
who kids can watch on television moving forward. I mean, I love John Rahm and I love Victor Hovland, but the way they do things is just impossible to copy. And it's very, um, you know, unusual, but, but Ludwig is so orthodox and so technically perfect and sound. And um, I think he's going to be a real, real star and, and great. He's European. So um not surprised to see him win, but uh, it was surprising to see Matt's finish. I've got to say, uh, there were some strange shots that he hit there coming down the stretch. And when I saw the leaderboard with him with a three-shot lead, I thought it's automatic that he's going to win, but obviously not. And goes to show that even around, even someone with as much experience and confidence as he can still falter a bit coming towards the winning line. Yeah, I, I, again, like Andrew, I, I, I didn't see the climax, but you know, to to go to to Aberg and the way that he finished four birdies in the last five holes is, uh, you know, that is, you talk about his technique and, you know, the orthodoxy that's there, but it also speaks to an X factor that only the, the really, really, really fantastic players have that they're able to seize a moment, you know, to do that on the eve of Ryder Cup selection with all that was on the line, all the talk that had gone on. That's, that's extraordinary temperament. Yeah, it is. And it shows that he's carried that over from college. You know, he's not afraid to keep on winning. The, the, test, the big test for him is going to be obviously going up against the Rory's and the Rams and the Hovland's of the world over the next 12 to 24 months. That's where we're going to see just how good he is right now. But I fully expect him in the next 24 months to be up there in the top five, certainly top 10 in the world when you look at his skill set and the way he plays the game. And that's exactly what Donald referred to in the interview. He's seen it firsthand in Detroit. I've spoken to Eduardo Molinari and Nicholas Colsart about Ludwig and they both, they all say the same thing. He's a generational player. He's as good as Rory and and good as John Rahm. So um, you've got to believe these guys when they're saying it because they've really seen it all. I think Europe are favourites, by the way. I know the bookmakers have America as, as slight favourites. Uh, both captains want to be underdogs, but I think that European team with home advantage is stronger than the American one. I was looking at the the American one in a bit more detail over the past past week. You know, Sam Burns hasn't been doing much for for a while. Um, Max Home is a, a, a rookie. You go down it. It's actually you know look at the players who qualified. I think Brian Harmon. It, could be a stud if we want to use that that word. Wyndham Clark's not done anything since he won the the US Open, um, and he's gone, you know, he's gone with the good old boys uh, selections rather than going down the list. I feel sorry for Keegan Bradley not getting in, but um, you know, it's going to be a it's it's a chemistry lesson as far as the the Americans are concerned. And I think having seen how that European team has has distilled down, I'm making them slight favourites now. Okay, um, we're certainly going to clip up Brian Harmon could be a stud, and we'll use that as a sting in the future. But uh, here we are. Uh, is, is the way to go. Um, so I'm I'm slightly disappointed that Ian has broken rank, and uh, no, the, I've not broken rank. I'm I'm going with the herd, which has always been oh, my way. Terrible. To be fair, what a terrible thing! Just no, just no, go with no. The herd. But I no, but but we we actually philosophically fundamentally differ on this issue andrew mm-hmm. because I, and i respect your point of view that you want to be correct in the correct. way that yeah. those letters are pronounced in swedish however i would say that a commentator and a broadcaster's job is to use the name that means that the people you're communicating with know exactly who you're talking about in the same way and we used i've used this example before retief gusen retief gusen you just you know that's it's exactly the same thing and he was very happy with gusen 
uh, Aberg, I've asked him. He is very happy with Aberg. Of course he is. Yeah. And yeah, so uh, so who are you to say that his name's something different <laughs> in our language? So uh, first of all, I said Retief Goosen when I commentated on. I didn't say Goosen. So yeah, but uh, he got he got a massive contract with Grey Goose Vodka. He's happy. No, he got a Grey Grey Goose Vodka. Um, so I wish I could I got, get a deal with an alcohol company. Yeah, um, Eddie Pepper or Pep. Pep. Um, no, what, what's that? What's Dr. Pepper's? Oh, Dr. Pepper. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Very good. I couldn't remember it for a moment. Right. Okay. So, Dr. Pepper. Um, well, anyway, I, so I, I'm genuinely getting quite hung up on it and vexed about it because I'll be commentating uh, for the BBC on the Ryder Cup on the highlights, which go at prime time. They'll get bigger viewing figures on that than they will on Sky. And so I am going to. You talk about the herd. I'm going to be the wildebeest leading the herd in a new direction um, over the edge of a cliff. Uh, they're, they're happy at the watering <laughs> hole, the Aberg watering hole, and I'm going to take them away from that watering hole by going, here's Ludwig Obere, and, and they're going, we're going to wander off to be uh, eaten by uh, several several lions who are just waiting in that corner there. But I, I genuinely, it's, uh, again, we're joking about it. It's become a, a major thing in, in my head because I cannot now bring myself to say Aberg because that was basically just, that tone was set by, by Texas and and they just get things wrong in terms of pronunciation. So Ludwig Obere is... Uh, I mean, you sound you sound foolish now, Ian. You just sound <laughs> foolish. You've gone. Eddie, with... what are you saying? What's the lock? I, it doesn't matter how we sound. I think the listeners have turned off at this point. <laughs> I think that's probably true. It's time for a sting. My name is Ludwig Elbach, and uh, you're listening to the Chipping Forecast podcast. So there we are. Ian, uh, we were at the Walker that, Cup. You, that you, uh, you edited that one again. You, that's, that's a distortion. That's not, a, that's, that's, anyway. that's not fake, fake news. Um, so we were at the Walker Cup. Uh, I, I, for, first of all, I had the chance to meet Big Randy. Um, from Did you meet him? Up. No, I said I had the chance. I didn't take that chance, but I oh, had the chance. Oh, I saw him. I he just, uh, I don't like to bother people. I don't like to introduce myself to people. Um, oh, I'd have introduced you to him. No, I don't. I didn't want to be introduced. Um, oh. uh, only if to, just to say his name's Phil, and I should have said, "Come on, Phil's a good name. It's a great name." Just... What's your feeling towards no lineup guys as a somewhat traditional member of the sport sporting media? I don't know because I haven't listened to it. Uh, I don't. I, no, I haven't. I, I think I must be the only person in golf who hasn't listened to no laying up. Um, I think I'm told they seem like actually there. There, there's. I know you're saying that uh, in that you expect me to be anti all oh, these guys. Look at them with their roust about ways and things. But actually, I think they're very talented broadcasters. From what I've you seen, you don't listen seen, to them. No, I've seen clips and I've heard lots of clips. <laughs> I haven't listened to a, an episode of No Laying Up. But what I've seen on social media of what they tweet and what they put out there, there is clearly they're great. yeah, exactly. They're, there is, they're great. There's a think great sense really of humor good. behind them. So, and I think it's worth mentioning Tron Carter. Um, he's got a great eye for talent. Is that his real name? Uh, no, it's not actually. And I know that's not his real name because when he came to Queenwood, I put him down as Tron Carter as the guest. And then the pro came in and said, Eddie, we've got a, a someone Shushta here for you. And I said, who? And then Tron walked through the door. And so, no, it's not his real name. And there was a mix up. But he tweeted in May of 2022 that Ludwig Aberg will be. Mm-hmm. will be Ludwig Oberg will be on the Ryder Cup team in 2023 mm-hmm. I mean talk about foresight 18 months in advance and uh that is just you know I think it's yeah, worth but, mentioning but 
I could say Gordon Sargent's going to be on the US Ryder Cup team um, next time round, or, or you know, he's the, he was the world number one amateur. So Tron, uh, yeah, if but... that is his name, it's not his name. Um, you know, that's not the, the boldest pick in the world. Well, but he's never played. He hasn't. He's in the Ryder Cup before playing a major. That's never been done before. I think that's some pretty. In, I think that's some pretty impressive foresight there. He's got a good eye for talent. I mean, he. he I think five or six years ago, he said I was going to be the next Nick Faldo. So it doesn't get them all right. Where did he get his? Uh, <laughs> where did he get his name from? Tron Carter is quite a cool name. It's like it's taken. Trot, is it from the eighties film? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's from it's from the film. Yeah, um, so, I don't know the exact ins and outs, but it's yeah, it was explained to us on that um, that night of the Chinese takeaway when my drunk son came in. Said so this guy's Randy. He's not really Randy. This is Tron. He's not really Tron. Oh. Yeah, no, yeah, no. We literally we did have that conversation with it. So I went so Tron. So Tron's not Tron. I mean, we went we went through all that. I thought it I might think be we... short for Tronsley or something like that, but <laughs> it's not. It's just so he just named after a film, right? It's, uh, a, it's actually pronounced Trun. Trun, yeah, Trun, tremendous, right? Okay, uh, we're getting slightly off topic. I'm not sure yeah. what the topic is. The topic is the the Walker Walker Cup. Cup. Yeah, you know I, it. I still love that event. I just you know, and uh, standing uh, on you know around the 18th green as those matches were was were finishing. Yeah, it was a good match. It it wasn't decided until the the last uh, hour. A really good Saturday for for Great Britain and Ireland. I couldn't believe how down in the dumps Mike McCoy, Captain McCoy. I thought we were. I kept calling him Captain McCoy. I thought we were on Star Trek or something. Um, but he was so downbeat on the Saturday night. Gordon Sargent came in as well. They looked absolutely miserable. They looked beaten on Saturday night in the press conference. The Americans, but. We, uh, we always knew it. They, they're just so strong, one to one to ten on that team. And they romped really through through Sunday, didn't they? Sergeant looked looked brilliant. And again, you know, seizing the moment, I felt really sorry for for John Goff, who I thought had a, a really good uh, couple of days, especially Saturday when he won two uh, matches for Great Britain and Ireland. It looks like he's got a real kind of personality about him. But then driving out of bounds on uh, seventeen, wasn't it, Andrew? Um, against Gordon Sargent right in the middle there that that seemed to me like the big momentum shifter that that emboldened the Americans to to see it through it was a great contest I actually did think it was very very similar I, me- I mentioned in commentary very very similar to Hoyle League 2019 mm. uh, where um, GB and I led eight and a half seven and a half going into the singles and then USA in the singles were just uh, outstanding but a lot of them came down to the last couple of holes so it was a, it was it was actually closer than that final scoreline suggests and as you said just in the last hour it it, it, it totally went away from uh, GB and I but um, no I enjoyed it I was I was interested this is the thing that doesn't get talked about in in coverage of sport that much is how religious the American team is and religion in golf. Mike McCoy was actually talking about a, a press conference. He said, we've got a very spiritual side here. And as a, a very committed atheist, I sort of bang my head on the desk. But it's a great mentality to have for golf. Caleb Surat, when in his interview, the first thing he said was, glory be to God, was his first answer. And I thought, and whatever you think about it, and I think some strange things about it, but it's a, a magnificent mentality to have in golf because you think, well, it's just it's either meant to be or it's not meant to be, or there is some higher power deciding that you know this six footer goes in or not. Then it's a, because you can sort of absolve all personal responsibility and and just say, right, okay, well that wasn't meant to be. Move on to the next one. No, no, I I can get that, Andrew. You know, I've never met anybody who prays more than my caddy. 
<laughs> oh dear. Anyway, yes. So uh, it was. <laughs> do, you, do you find that um, you have to, um, you know, if you're in an environment with a lot of American players, that you have to sort of what mind your p's and q's and that that sort of thing in terms of blaspheming or, or not whatever. really i mean watching them play in saudi arabia is always quite entertaining i loved playing in america when i spent time over there and i preyed on you know their what can i call it lack of understanding of sarcasm and general wit i suppose is a probably fair way of saying it and um yeah <laughs> so you I, prayed as in p-r-e-y ex- right exactly yeah. i was like that harris hawk that fat harris hawk that we referred <laughs> yeah. to in the past i was <laughs> sweeping in on them diana yeah, but uh, no, I, yeah, I don't really, you know, I mean, I, I met Scotty Scheffler and Ted Scott and these guys, they're lovely people. They're all really nice people. Bubba, to, to the credit, I haven't, I'm certainly, I, I would be with Andrew entirely in terms of the belief structure here, but I am very uh, open to, you know, people believing what they want if it makes of them course. feel good about themselves and, and happy, you know, life's tough enough. Of course, no, absolutely. I'm, I'm absolutely tolerant of it. It's just, it's just. I, I just think in in it's it's very strange. You see it a lot in athletics as well, and it's. Um, I just think it's a, 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 an odd mindset. It's a very helpful mindset in golf and in sport. It's an odd mindset to think that, well, this higher power was guiding me to victory and just turning a blind eye to the the, the war and the famine and stuff. But you know, um, it's uh, yeah, it's it, it, useful it, in the high jump good. though. Yeah, higher power. Um, oh, hang on. Um, oh. <laughs> oh my god! Say, oh, why do I have to download it every week? This should be. Uh, so anyway, it was very enjoyable. I, I, one well, thing. What, one other thing. Go... Sorry, hang on. One other thing that that Mike um, McCoy's Chris McCoy said was he said, <laughs> all, "All my players, they're all fantastic men. They." they if my daughters, if, if I, I'd, I'd be happy for them to marry any of them. And then, and then Louine Mayer, who asked the best questions, the former uh, golf correspondent of the Daily Telegraph, she said, so do you have some daughters? And, um, you know, which, which ones? And then he said, no, I do have daughters. Well, one of them's married and the other one. And he sort of totally backtracked. It was, yeah. it was a very funny moment. Uh, yeah. so, what a way to describe your team. I mean, come on. I would let any of them marry my daughters. Yes, exactly. It's a, it's a, it's a, we are uh, nations separated by uh, by language and many, many other things as well and pronunciations and various things. So uh, the, the interesting thing that I noted about the Walker Cup is I didn't realize just how professional amateur golf is now in the States in terms of oh. NILs, name, image, likeness. You can get sponsorship, basically. Mm. And so someone like Caleb Surat, incidentally, if you're looking, uh, I played this game in 2015. I thought, who, who of this American side is going to be a big star? And you had guys like DeChambeau and Hostler. I picked Bo Hostler, who was a good player. Um, and I sort of slipped away a bit now. But it's interesting saying, you could easily say Gordon Sargent. Uh, but I thought Caleb Surat looked fantastic. Uh, but he comes from quite a modest background and the sponsorship really has helped him um, you know, because because of this and these NILs, the names, image, likeness that you can get. It was a thing a couple of years ago. The NCAA across all sports changed it so that amateurs can. They're 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 just they are professionals in waiting, but they're getting some professional assistance already. Isn't there a George Manziel? I probably said that wrong. Netflix documentary on this. I think it's supposed to be quite interesting on the professionalism side. I, when I played with Victor Perez in Czech a couple of weeks ago, him and his caddy both went to the same college in America, and we were talking about this, and they said just how 
structured and organized and professional college golf was you play for a week you take two weeks off to reflect and it's this very like I say organized structure which is there to benefit the player I think however when you turn professional you get thrown into a much much more chaotic environment and I and I wonder if you know we've talked a few weeks ago about this Michael Torbjornsson back injury I think as amateurs turn pro and they start to travel more frequently and they just do not have, you do not have the ability to have that controlled environment so much. It's going to be interesting to see players adapt to this new, to that new environment because I've been there. It is different. So, um, you know, it's, I think that's probably part of the reason why it's so difficult to predict who does what from amateur to professional, because really the livelihoods are so different. And that's just one example. Well, yeah, well, we enjoyed the Walker Cup immensely. And it, as I said, it'd be fascinating to see who it, it, that, that transition from amateur to pro is you can pick players and say, look at him. What an amazing amateur he is. He's going to be great. And you just don't know because you don't know who's going to to uh, become successful when it's very different when your five footer is for your livelihood rather than just for, for your team or for yourself in an amateur event. Um, I did have some correspondence on selection of amateurs from uh, a Joe in Oxfordshire. He's the head pro at Oxford Golf Club, Joe Pepper. He said, just listening to the chipping forecast for the first time. Uh, okay. Uh, no, we welcome. Late. He said, with it being Walker Cup week, you have to ask Eddie about the time he called a fellow amateur and pretended to be an England selector. So. <laughs> oh, this is news to me. I had no idea this has happened. <laughs> uh, email. I do remember the, uh, <clears throat> the call quite well. I, uh, I pretended to be Anthony Abrahams. He was the chief England selector. Um, called a young lad called Jake Shepherd, poor Jake Shepherd. He was a good player, Jake, but he wasn't, you know, one of the elite players. And I called him, I was in a room with a few other players, Tommy Fleetwood being one of them, but I copped most of the heat for this, rightly so, because I was the guy on the phone. But I called Jake and just said, Jake, um, you know, he'd been selected for the England elite team, which was news to him. He couldn't believe it. And I said to him, you know, you're going out to South Africa in January for two weeks. He then said, well, I've got a trip to the Middle East booked. And I said, I had to quickly say to him, well, don't cancel that. Because you know the things can change, um, but uh, and then after he was so excited and, and went to tell his dad, I then informed him he was going to be the captain as well. Um, so it wasn't until the next day when he told his dad that I think his dad cottoned onto something that might not be right here. So um, called up and, and discovered that it was indeed Eddie Purple playing a prank. Um, so did you put on an act? Did you put on a voice? I mean, did I did. Know yeah, I did. No, Anthony Abrahams was quite an old. Um, selector frankly and he spoke very slowly uh and i just i just put on his accent or his you know the way he spoke and and it was uh, how was it John, give, us a, give us an idea uh, something like hello jake just calling you it was it was that kind of slow so I, you know, <laughs> I go, I go, good hang impression. on a minute is that you eddie <laughs> <laughs> well jake didn't know me well enough to know that it was a prank um oh, no poor jake we were gonna have to we're gonna have to bring up maybe there's a regular thing have there been well, things in your past that it could be a regular thing that we have a a sting with some coral i think there music. probably is i mean obviously i sent you the hotel review which you know relates to crom we don't need to go through that but that was under a pseudonym that i created um on Twitter to troll Laurie Cantor. I trolled Laurie Cantor and Phil Kenyon specifically for a matter of months on this. So we can get down that my confessional part three or four mm. in the road, but that was a, another little fun one. Oh, that's, I, uh, well, there's, there's a uh, practical jokes. Is that a practical joke? Is it? I'm not sure it is. Does it come into, yeah, it does. It does. Pranking. No good. It's, it's I yeah, should so... say I, I did get banned from the EGU for six months and 
that was part of the reason why I got banned. Uh, so not only was I banned from Frilford Heath for six months, the English <laughs> Golf Union actually banned me from playing for England for six months. That's so wow. partly to do with that phone call and something else I did. So, um, you know, I've, I've been, uh, it's a matter of time before I get banned in some way, shape or form from the DP World Tour. So we'll just have to see what I do. <laughs> Well, the, after some of your comments, which have been edited out today, we are banning you from the chipping forecast for <laughs> six, six minutes. Six days. Six, six minutes. Days. Yeah, you'll be back uh, next week. Anyway, so well, that's, well, Eddie's confessions. Actually, if you could just say the phrase, yeah, I'm not really that sorry, to be honest. Uh, just now, I'll use that and make it into a clip, uh, uh, an Eddie's confessional. So there you go. Yeah, I'm not really that sorry, to be honest. <laughs> Right, okay. Um, email correspondent, other email correspondent. I mentioned Alf Dossett, Alf Dossett in Stonehaven, talking about the lines, the other David Ferti lines. Uh, you don't get many, you get lots of Alfs and Alfies now. You don't get Alfreds, do you? What's happened to the name Alfred? You get, um, yeah, you definitely get Al. It's quite a popular boy's name, Alfie. Little Alfie, usually attached to a child who, who does whatever they want, running around Starbucks and smearing chocolate brownie over the wall, and the parents just going, well, he's such a free spirit, Alfie. We just we don't want to to hamper him in his development, or is he's just annoying? That's Alfie now. But Alf Padgham, do you remember? We well, don't remember mm-hmm. Alf Padgham, but he was a great golfer. The thirties won the Open. Alf Perry as well. I think a couple of years they were winner and runner up. Um, but I don't. I can't think of any. Are there any Alfs Alfs around now in golf? Alfie Plant. Oh, yeah. yeah, good. Alfred was Walker the Cup, butler of Batman. Yeah, Alfie Plant did play um, in the Walker Cup. Joe from Oxford Golf Club has a son called Alfie. Ah, there we are. Good, good connection. Good old Joe from Oxford Golf Club, Uncle Eddie. And he named his second child Louis, which is my middle name. Uh, so he named his second child after me, indirectly, I suppose. That's something I want to do is middle names. I've been noticing got lots of golfers' middle names, and some of them are really interesting and some of them are really boring. But I noticed yours, actually. I was looking you up the other day, Eddie, and I remember that, Louis. Phil Hatton is Glenn. Alexander Walter Barr Lyle. Yes. Nicholas Alexander Faldo. Yeah. Collins, Lee John Westwood. Lee John Westwood. Um, good. What are your middle names, Ian? This, this might not go into the final podcast. I'm sure it will. Go on. Yeah, Robert. Ludwig. <laughs> Ian, <laughs> Ian Robert Carter. Um, right, sorry, other uh, emails. Uh, Alfie Bo. No. Uh, um, email from Stephen Helm. Hey, gents, could you explain why golfers pull the putter out of the bag and walk from the tee of the fairway holding it all the way to the green? Surely you're weighing down one side of the body or using a muscle more than the other each time you do it. Why not rest the body and just walk holding nothing? Is that just a, a thing we say, well, I'm on the green, I'm going to take this walk of, of glory with the putter like a trophy? It's a funny one, that, because that's not something I ever decided to do or not to do, but it depended a bit on the caddy that you inherit or you choose. They just Some, some caddies give you the butter, some don't, and I was always, I think I've never worried about it weighing um, but now I think back to Switzerland and all those short putts I missed. Maybe that was the problem. Um, no, I, I don't think it's, I think he's overthinking it there. It's coming okay. from me. Um, email from Graham Waddle, who says he's had to stop listening on the train as he's giggling too much. Uh, but he ends with a line, wasn't ever really a fan of Ian Carter, but love him now. <laughs> so that's quite a conversion. That's the, uh, not on the road to Damascus, but on the 843 to, I don't know, wherever, Paisley Gilmer Street. So, um, uh, I'm not sure if we, we did have some other emails, but I can't find them. So, but, but keep emailing, incidentally. Um, the chipping forecast at foldingpocket.co.uk. Uh, and if you want to like and subscribe in the pod, uh, to the podcast as well, uh, if you dislike, just don't, don't say anything. I think Ian's actually coming out of this podcast better than anybody. I mean, Jen really likes Ian now. She said to me the other day, 
you know, Ian must be what, 75, 76 years old. Um, but he's my favorite older man that, uh, she really, really, that's well the territory in. I'm moving in now. Well, yeah. there we are. Um, Laurie Cantor message to say he would send us some content from the live party hall in Chicago. Uh, after I suggested that I might uh, rather spend some time in Siberia. Way. So I think that's just about any, anything else on your, on your minds at the moment. Is, is Jen messaging you privately as well? Yeah, she said she'll no, no. She is with Laurie in the party hall in Chicago. So no, yeah. messaging me. <laughs> right, I think it's time to draw an end to things, really. Unless there is something else that um, that you need to get off your chest. Eddie's having a little thing. You're off to the Irish Open, Eddie. Yeah, I'm off this evening. Uh, late Tuesday arrival, which should be good. I'm going in the barn for a few hours. No, pro am. Good week. I'm actually taking over from Rory McIlroy in the pro am. No. So, so either there's been a, a grave mistake or someone has requested me, but I, you know, I've got the easy joke obviously grave lined mistake. up on the 10th tee. Um, yeah, the icebreaker that's obvious to everyone. This is a real come down for you guys. I don't know how much you paid for today, but you should ask for a refund, blah, 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 blah. So, uh, did yeah, someone ring you up and tell you this that you are you're standing in for Rory McElroy? Yeah. No, it was, I saw it on the players portal. You can see it's taken over from you. I want to tell you that you have been selected for the Pro-Am at the Irish Open. Good luck to you. Uh, well, yeah, good luck. In, uh, that's going to be a good one. The Irish Open is a good one. Uh, some big player. And it just feels that it's ramping up as well towards, uh, you know, so we'll go to Wentworth and then getting ready for the, the Ryder Cup. But it's it's going to be fascinating. We're deep into team golf territory now yeah. as well. So, And we're interested to see how your golf continues to go, Eddie. Are you sticking with the putter? Um yeah, I am. That was a joke. I'm not selling it. I'm sticking with it. I'm going to be faithful to it. And I think it was just a blip. Yeah. You're going to do the belly wedge drill again. That's been one of the five things I've thought about doing today. Um, but uh, I'll, I'm sure I'll figure it out. Yeah. Figure it out as we just peter out in this podcast. But I think, again, we've given you quite a quite a, quite a lot to chew over. Um, keep listening. Keep contacting us. Uh, just keep being lovely people out there. And we will uh, speak again next week on the Chipping Forecast. I'd love it if someone rang me up, even if it was a joke to say I've been picked for a team. And that completes this edition of the Chipping Forecast. Wishing you a safe and pleasant night. Folding pocket. <laughs>